0: This evening, I would like to share with you a passage from the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, I preached this morning on this passage, and I, I don't know if it's going to improve from there, but I hope it does. Uh, we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount, and we're looking at the passage where it talks. Jesus starts the teaching about being the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Right before he preaches on being salt and light, he gives the Beatitudes. And the, the Beatitudes are the, the blessings of those who are in Christ, those who have received the Lord and are in him. And, and God's Son, Jesus, is working through through them to bring blessing into the world. And we see that those who are blessed in the Lord... Are those who uh, want and hunger and thirst for righteousness? They they are those who uh, want to see the kingdom of heaven come into the world. And so Jesus preaches now. He's going to do a a series of different um, topics in this sermon, but he starts with salt and light, and we're going to look at that this evening together. And I'm going to read from verses uh, 13 through 16. Jesus begins, uh, he, he's talking about uh, rejoicing and be glad for, for being persecuted. And then he, he comes into verse 13 and he says this You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. And give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And we're looking at this passage as we're looking at this teaching of Jesus. What we need to ask ourselves is how do we live the Christian life? What does it mean to live the Christian life? And Jesus is teaching here on being salt and light. And what we need to see in this passage is the critical need that Jesus is presenting to every Christian disciple. What is the critical need? And and this message is a sobering message to us. But it's also a gospel encouragement for us. So I want to look at those three things uh, tonight with you. Martin Lloyd-Jones says that this is surely one of the most outstanding Astounding and extraordinary statements that about the, the Christian that was ever made, even by the Lord Himself. He says, Just think of what Jesus is saying. You are salt and you are light. And the reason why Martin Lloyd Jones says this is because everything we do in the Christian life comes down to these two ideas. We go out and we say, Am I salt to the world? Am I light to the world? And do we start our days thinking of ourselves as salt and the light of God's Son? And these two ideas come together, and they come together, and Jesus is preaching about this because there is a critical need. Imagine the crowds that are there uh, with Jesus. Some of them are from the Decapolis, the ten cities up north, the the Syrian area, uh, outside of the boundaries of of Israel, and there are people from Galilee, there's people from Jerusalem, and they're all coming to to hear Jesus. There's Jews and there's Gentiles. And Jesus tells all of them, all together, you are salt, you are light. Go forth and be that. And imagine what, what that was like to hear these words for the first time to hear that there is a critical need for Jesus' disciples to be this. And the critical need is this. People in the world who don't want to hear God in their life, they say, well, we are enlightened people, and we are on the road of progress. But the reality is this. Those who are in critical need, there are people who are... In a decaying society, without God, the society decays. And what is needed in in the world are people who are salty. So a decaying society needs salty Christians. And a neighborhood or neighbors who are in darkness need the light of Christ. And Jesus is saying, I'm making you that. I'm going to give that to you. So let's first look at these, let's look at these two ideas. Let's look, first look at what it means to be a Christian and what it means to be salt as a Christian. So, what is the purpose of salt in the world? What what do we use salt for? It has many different functions. And I was thinking about the different functions that salt um, is used for. Sometimes salt is used as a preservative. And especially in ancient times, salt would be used to preserve food. It would be used in, uh, as a brine to um, help in the pickling process of food. There's olives up there. I, I like olives. Um, and then there's cheese. It's one of my favorite uh, things in the world is, uh, to, to have uh, as food is, is cheese. And the process of, of uh, making cheese, there's salt, and it becomes a preservative. Salt is an antiseptic, and it's a flavor. So think of salt as a preservative. Uh, think of it this way. Jesus might be saying it, if he were describing this today, he would say, uh, people of God, you are the refrigerator in the kitchen that preserves the food. Think of it that way. And think of, of how we are people, if we're people who are salt, we are preservative, we preserve life. And we hear Jesus say, salt is Christians jumping in to care for the troubles of of our neighbors, to care for their life, to preserve their life. Salt comes into a, a meeting with co-workers and it brings a, a certain kind of presence that preserves and restores and redeems and renews people's lives. Salt can be seen as the, the love and compassion of Christ that mixes into things. It it penetrates and it gets beneath the surface to be effective, and and it gets in and it, and it changes things. Salt enters in. It's it's something that that just seeps in, and it takes all of the the uh, what would you call that the the bugs out. It it, it destroys the bugs, but it comes in and, and preserves things, and that's what. Jesus is talking about here, in effect, that, that we are like that salt. I heard from uh, Pastor Zach that uh, you, you're you going through the book of Acts in the evening, is that right? And uh, you're hearing about the life of Paul. And Paul, in the book of Acts, there was this saltiness about Paul, right? He was, he was a, a, a salty apostle. In Acts 19, there was a riot in Ephesus. And uh, Paul is uh, just seeing this all happen. Ephesus is rioting because the Christians are taking away the The economy. And, you know, there's Demetrius who protests. And, and in fact, the whole uh, amphitheater in Ephesus is full of people rioting. And Paul, what does Paul do? The salty Paul that he is. He, sa- uh, he says, oh, here's an opportunity. I'll go in. I'll go to these people and I'll give them the gospel. I'll become the, the salt that they need to to hear the word of God and 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 he, what he's hoping to do is to preserve their life, to to change their life, to restore it, and redeem them and and he's he's going to do whatever it takes and and that's that's the kind of salt that we are. Are, are we like that salt? They uh, you know uh, Paul's friends say, wait a minute, Paul. Uh, If you go into that, you know you might not survive. So we're not going to let you do that. But that attitude is there. And salt also looks at the needs of people in trouble. And we lovingly jump into and help people with the sweat on our brow. And sometimes it is the love of Christ that drives us to help others. It is the empathy that has communion with others who are broken-hearted, and uh, sometimes we even share tears with others, as Christians who are broken-hearted. And I was thinking about this um, for this message. Uh, what we share, we, we bless people with is, is the, the blood, sweat and tears of our life. We, we serve other people. And within, within our, our, our veins, within the sweat that pours out from us, even the tears that we shed, there's a little bit of salt there. Right. We're the salt of the earth. And because of that, it says in Psalm 126, those who sow in tears will reap songs of joy uh, with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, if we're there with others and we're we're sowing the seed of tears, we're sowing the salt on the earth, they will return with songs of joy. And carrying cheese with them, there will be blessing from this process. And so there's compassion and there's purpose. But salt also has something else about it. It, It's a flavor that we put on all kinds of food, right? And uh, as a Christian growing up, growing in faith, uh, there's times where I'm going to tell you a little story that was not, uh, not my shining moment in life. Let me just say it that way. But it was a story about a time where I really understood what it means to be salt, uh, the salt of the earth and to be in Christ in that way. I was in a, uh, a gas station changing my oil, and there was a little room where people were meeting to change their oil. And uh, there was a couple other guys in the other side of the room, and I was on one side, and I couldn't help but overhear the conversation. And one of the guys said, yeah, you know, uh, I... Bought a house up in Linden, right next to a church, and I was mowing my lawn on Sunday morning. It was about nine o'clock in the morning, and uh, got done with mowing my lawn. And a little while later, one of the church members from the church comes over and says, "Uh, "You know, I was wondering if you could maybe possibly mow your lawn later in the afternoon because we are uh, there's a church service going on right next door to you, and you know, it would be nice because the lawnmower is loud and." And then he said to his friend something to the effect of, those, those hypocrites, you know, you know, I, I took that man's words and I, I thought that what a, what a guy to ask, to tell me this. He even offered me that he could mow my lawn for me if, if it was something that I couldn't do during the week. And, uh, he said, you know, so he said to his friend, you know what I did? The next Sunday morning, it was nine o'clock and I turned my lawn mower on and I turned it on real slow and i started mowing my lawn real slow so they can hear it and i was listening to this in the corner and uh you know i wasn't thinking about being the salt of the earth at the moment and and so this is a this is a growing time for me but i hope it's something that we can all learn from uh you know how you you think about what to say to people who who are hostile or aren't um you know who don't like Christians, I guess this man didn't like Christians. I was sitting there and I was uh, thinking about this and and I was too angry because, you know, if you're up in Linden, Washington and you're in town you're probably he's probably talking about one of the CRC churches there, right? And uh, I know some of those people in some of those churches there. They're my brothers and sisters and he's talking against me. And I wasn't prepared for that. And so uh, I, I had to think about this. You know, part of this is <clears throat> when we come into these places where, where we're confronted and we're salt, we, we need to be salt. One thing that we can't be is, is sugar. We're not, we don't sprinkle something to make it taste better and, and just cover it up. You know, uh, one thing that we can't be is, is, is sugary. But the other thing we can't be is sour, right, or bitter, and that's where I found myself a little bit, right? I was a little bit sour because I was angry and, and I had I had things I was thinking in my mind to say. Like, hey, I'm a pastor who knows those people out uh, out there and uh, what if I went on there and just changed your oil and see what happens, right? Things, things that I shouldn't have been thinking. So I was silent. But what would it have been like if I were salty? What would it have been like if I was truly salty for these people, the salt of the earth. I imagine I would have said something like this. And and I don't know if you could relate to this, but sometimes uh, you think of the things that you you should have said, you you could have done later on. Wouldn't it be nice to have those things happen to you right in the moment? And I think we need to... uh, we need to really trust in the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us everywhere we go. But, but here's what I thought might have been helpful. I would have come to the, this uh, young man and said, um, young man, I don't know you, and I, but I've overheard your conversation. <clears throat> and I, I would just want to say, I, I don't think it would be very wise to be right next to a church of about 300 people that are worshiping and mowing a lawn next to you because they might even pray for you and what might happen is God might really come into your life, even now. And would you like to receive that? You know, something like that, that comes in in an inviting way. You know what that is? That's salt. The salt that's sprinkled in, it gives the little zest of saying, what needs to be said, it speaks the truth in love, right? And that's what we need to be. We need to be this, this salt that is savory, not sugary or not, not sour. But uh, this needs to be the salt that we have for our friends, even within the congregation or our families or, or our kids or our neighbors, our coworkers. This is the salt that we need to be. But let's look at the light as well to understand what Jesus is describing here. He's also describing us as light. Light that uh, comes into the world. And we are the light of Christ. We, we share that light. We, we hope that people can see Jesus through that light. How does this light work? One thing that Jesus says here is, don't hide the light. John Stott says, if you don't hide a lamp under an inverted bowl, you put it on a stand and there's no excuse for secret discipleship. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, as Jesus says. And all this is possible only because Christ is the light of the world. Until he has illuminated us, we can never shine. And with his reflected light, the imperative of shining is based on the indicative of being lit up by him. Then people will see our good deeds and praise not us, but our Heavenly Father, who is the source of the light they see reflected. So we can't hide the light, but we also, sometimes uh, this happens, we, we can blind others with a light that, that comes. Uh, I think of this as oncoming traffic when you're, going, when you're driving at night and you're on the highway and there's oncoming traffic and you see the lights coming and sometimes they're in a the distance I remember times where it was there's cars in the distance and as I was looking at them the lights were really bright they were shining brightly and I was looking and I, I, I flashed my lights a little bit to say you know your, your, your brights are on but then they actually did put their brights on and it was even more blinding right those kinds of new cars that have this and and what I'm saying is we're not that kind of light that comes in and blinds people's lives. But we're a kind of light that comes in so that other people can see who Jesus is. That's the kind of light that we are. It's not about us, we don't hide it, we don't blind other people with it, but we share it. And so how does that work? What happens when that light comes into other people's lives? Um I don't know if you know this, this painting. This is a painting from 15th century by a man named George de Latour. And he's painting this picture of Mary Magdalene. And this painting is called The Repentant Mary. And the metaphor of this painting is light. Latour painted lots of pictures of light. And this painting is about Mary seeing who she is and seeing who the Lord is and coming and turning her life around. And Jesus comes into her life as the light. Now, if you look at this picture closely, you can see that this little object, she, she has her hands on this object, like so. And this object is a, um, it's a skull, right? And that represents death. The representation there, the, this, this, the imagery is that Mary is coming to understand as she sees the light of Christ that she's holding on to death, with her life, the way that she's lived. And and this is this is changing her life because not only does she see what she's held on to, I think what's happening here is that, that thing under the under the skull is is a Bible. Um, Latour painted that even though you know the the New Testament wasn't written yet, but he did that anyway, to tell us that that the symbol here is that the law of God and the word of God leads us to understand who we are. But then the light of Christ is, is the image of the, the light that's shining on her. She sees herself for what she is and what she has done in her life. And there's a mirror, if you see that, there's a mirror here that's showing us, uh, but the reflection that it's showing is herself. She sees herself in the mirror by the light that's been, being shown to her. And that's the light of Christ. But then what we see in this is that she not only sees herself herself, For who she is. But she sees herself in the light of Christ. Forgiven. uh, Graced upon by the presence of God. Transformed into a new person. She sees herself through the light that Christ gives to her. And she's renewed. And she comes in repentance to God. And that's how we need to be light in the world. But there is a, also a, a, a sobering message about this. And that is that the, the sobering message is that we are not only, uh, there's a critical need, but the sobering message is that as Christians, we, you will be salt, you will be light. But you also, the reality is if you're salt and light, you'll be hurt. You'll suffer. But blessed are you. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Jesus says in John 15, the world hates me, and if the world hates me and you're my follower, the world will will hate you as well. For a servant is not above his master, and the fact is that there is a unique hostility people have to Jesus, and it will be because of him. The Bible actually says all human beings are blinded by sin, and we all need God, and none of us, until the Holy Spirit opens our eyes, believe that. We think we're perfectly fine. We think we're uh, enlightened, but we're all like addicts and nobody wants to be helped. And if you want to help people, things are going to backfire. There's going to be suffering. There's going to be problems. There's going to be pushback. And Jesus says, that's just the way it is. We are salt and we are light and we will be treated like Jesus was treated and uh, Tim Keller puts it this way. If your reputation is hurt by being salt and light, first of all, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you your time and your money and your name, maybe sometimes your reputation, and we will be hurt by this. But this is to happen. But um, what happens in this is that you wonder, okay, so how are we going to handle This is a sobering message from Jesus, right? But what is the gospel encouragement for us? It's this Christ Jesus. Even though he was equal with the Father, made himself of no reputation. He he suffered. He had glory and honor, but he 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 left that so that he would become one who is ashamed and and humiliated and and persecuted. He had the name, but he actually became rejected. He was. Uh, he was put on the cross, which was, you know, there are ways to die in honor, but the cross was a way to kill someone if you disdain them. And there are all kinds of more honorable deaths, but it was a dishonorable death for Jesus to die on the cross. He lost his reputation. It was it was a scandalous, criminal way for, for someone to die. And uh, you and I were saved through this persecution. And, if we're saved through the insults that fell on him, we what we receive is that Jesus went into the darkness so that we can become the light of Christ, so that he can give us his light. Yes, it's a sobering message, but this message, it ends in joy. It says, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for being salt, for being this light. Jesus was placed in a tomb And when you're placed in a tomb, the expectation is that dead bodies decay. And the world without God is in this place. And now the women, they went to the tomb to prepare the body of Jesus, and they wanted to put spices around the body. But here's the good news about this. Jesus did not see decay. Jesus is not the one who who is decaying in society. He's the one where it says in Psalm 16, My heart is glad, my tongue rejoices, my body will also rest secure, because you will not abandon me to to the grave. And this is Jesus. Nor will you let your Holy ones see decay. Or that's us, and, and the Holy One is Jesus, who did not see decay. And Jesus says in John 16, I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. And in this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I am the one who is raised to life. I am the one who has taken the shame upon himself to give you honor and glory and I have overcome the world. So look at this hope. Know that as salt and and light you're going to go through hard things but you will have a name that will never perish. It is the name of Jesus. Know that you have an honor and glory that comes from him that will never perish. And look at every purpose. Every purpose of being salt and light is this, that others will join you in praise to God. It's possible that if you become salt and light, you will suffer for it, but others will join you in praise to God. So take heart and be the salt of the earth and be the light of the world. Let's pray.